0: Welcome to the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. So if there's one thing that is certain about college athletics, it's probably change, Um, especially in in the last decade or so. We've seen significant changes. Um, I'm fascinated. I go back to my era of playing college football in the 1970s, and I look at at, at how so many uh, things are different. In, in college football today, and for the most part, uh, beneficially different, but certainly different. And we thought we would talk a little bit about that um, and we want to take a look at it from the Division three level. Um, I, I've said oftentimes there's, I think there's something, something wonderful about the Division three level level, not to, to demean in any way Division One or Division two. but uh, there's been, a, I, I think, for me, a fascination in the approach in the Division three level. So we thought what we would do is bring in Jim Catanzaro, I'm sorry, Jim C- Catanzaro, who is the uh, head football coach at Lake Forest College. Uh, He's had some great experience himself as an athlete, as a student athlete uh, in the coaching ranks, and and now the head coach, having just finished his ninth season as the head coach there, spent some time as an assistant coach before ascending uh, to the top job. Uh, Jim, welcome. I'm glad to have you here with us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Let me talk a little bit again about some of your background, because I, I think you know certainly to understand people's perspectives, it helps to understand where they came from and how they got to where they are now. And you and I were just talking a little bit before we started rolling here about your own experience as an athlete, a, a varied experience as an athlete. Uh, talk a little bit about that. When you, when you got to college, the various sports that you were involved
1: in. Yeah, when I got to Greenville College in 1996, it was with the intention of playing football and basketball. And they were one of the schools during the recruitment process who had said that I could do both. And it's actually probably the biggest reason why I selected Greenville. Uh, wasn't academics, wasn't anything else. It was that I could play both sports. Uh, when I got there, I did have the chance to play basketball, and uh, also played tennis. Was uh, selected by uh, Coach Stevens at the time. They were short a couple of players, and saw a good athlete in a PE class and offered me a chance to go to Hilton Head for spring break, and I kind of signed up. How could you say no to that? Yeah, I was like, that's perfect. Uh, And uh, so in addition to that, I also played one year of soccer. I was a goalie, and uh, that was during an off year from football. And so, uh, yeah, I got a chance to play four different sports in college. And then uh, after that, got a chance to coach at the collegiate level, uh, at the Division II level at both Glenville State and Wingate University in North Carolina, and then uh, came to Lake Forest 12 years ago.
0: When you look back at, at your experience said at various times playing four different college sports. Is that possible today, do
1: you think? I, I don't think it is. I think playing two is probably the most. Uh, I think with the adjustments to the winter sports schedule, that calendar's kind of opened up about two more weeks, three more weeks before it did in uh, the late 90s. So the basketball season didn't start until about the first week of November back then, so that only missed about one week of crossover. Now they're starting around August 5th, and football's going until the second week of November. So it's just a bigger time where you're missing that winter sport fall crossover. Um, but I do think there's still a great opportunity for, for people to play a fall and a spring sport, whether it's um, you know baseball or track or lacrosse, whatever it might be. Uh, two years ago at Lake Forest, we had uh, three athletes um, who were playing women's soccer and women's hockey. And one ended up being the National Player of the Year in women's hockey. She scored 100 goals in soccer and in hockey. So it is doable. Uh, but it's definitely a difficult, difficult challenge.
0: I do have to ask you, tennis and football, what position were you playing in football?
1: Linebacker. All right.
0: But what were you playing? What was you playing weight
1: about? I was about 205, 210.
0: So I'm thinking when you step out on the tennis court, the, the, the guy on the other side of the net is probably thinking, okay, what's this going to be
1: about yeah. and, and It was me running to the net trying to play the shortest point <laughs> possible. So. Exactly.
0: That was a great experience for you anyway. It was. So let's talk about changes. Um, as a, a Division three head football coach, and let me sort of take you through some areas. Mm-hmm. And again, you have the perspective not just of, of the years you've been coaching, but going back to the time when you were playing. Let's start with time, right? The time investment now that, that not only are, do we ask of our student athletes, but I've found that they want to give on their own. The time investment. How do you think it's changed over the years from the time that you were a student-athlete to to your time now as the head coach?
1: I think a few things that really stand out. We spend less time on the field practicing now, both in preseason and during the regular season, than we did when I was a player. The days of the three-hour Tuesday practice during the season are gone. Um, I, I think we average about two hours and ten minutes for our Tuesday and Wednesday practices now. Um Players aren't going both ways. Uh, As late as my sophomore year and junior year of college, I actually played both ways for two games because of our our roster size. So that's not really happening anymore. Um, I think where you're getting more of those hours back, though, are there's more weight training going on year round, not just but also during the season, as well as film. Uh, You know, as late as 2001, 2002, I was coaching with VHS tapes and we'd have four of them to pass out to the whole team. Now every kid has access to that video on their phone or on their iPad or their laptop. I, I
0: can go back to reel-to-reel tapes, yeah, game that, films, where you would get the big canister, the big aluminum canister and the reel-to-reel film that you would be watching in the coach's offices.
1: Yeah, and so I think what happens is that you were talking about the players wanting more. Yeah. Because they have access to it, they do it at different times. It's not the old everybody show up at one time to watch film. They're kind of oh. doing that on their own in between classes, in between study sessions, whatever it might be. Um, so I think there are certain things where we're less time. But there are other areas where it's probably increased um, significantly. But our actual on-field practices for our football team right now are seven hours during the week. And that's all we're on the field with football and pads and things like that. And it's significantly less than what I was going through in in the mid to late 90s.
0: How do you think that – and again, you and I were talking about this before. And I was saying, you know, we'd show up at Yale and we'd have about three weeks with double sessions. You know, from the time that we arrived till the rest of the students arrived and you had the same experiences. Now double sessions don't exist mm-hmm. anymore. Um, as a coach, give me the pros and cons okay. of the notion of, of less time on the field, um, less, less football time, if you will, compared to what
1: it was in the past. What's good about it and, and what do you think is, is missing? So I think one of the good things is we're seeing players come into camp in better shape. Uh, it used to be we had to get into shape during camp because we were working all summer and we right. weren't in weight rooms and um, particularly the Division Three level, we have less requirements than most of the high schools have that the kids are coming from in the summers. We're not doing summer seven-on-sevens and eight weeks of training and things like that. Uh, in the state of Illinois now, they have 25 contact practices with their coaches in the summer. Um, so these are things that didn't exist back then. I was in high school.
0: The coaches couldn't go near you in the summertime. Correct. You'd have captain's practices, and the coaches drove by to see who was there. But you had no contact with your coaches until September 1st
1: when practice started. Correct, correct. So that's something that's a huge difference now is high school kids, as they become freshmen in college, are actually doing less mm-hmm. than what they were doing in high school. I think it's increased the intellectual side of the football game where there are athletes have become better students of the game. They have learned to study it from uh, film instead of having to actually do the rep physically, and I think that that's helping with their body stay fresh throughout the year and maybe a little bit less wear and tear. Um, going away from the double sessions, you're seeing less overuse injuries. Mm. You know the the dings and bruises that used to keep you out for a week or two; those aren't happening as often because the practices are so scaled back. And I think a lot of that has to do with the information we've gotten either through like the Sports Science Institute or other people that are studying that we're finding there were more negatives happening and we could still get the same benefit um, without having maybe as much contact and, and things of that nature.
0: How about, you You touched on this a little bit, but in terms of, of, of training during the season and in the
1: off season and in the summer times, what mm-hmm. sort of changes are you seeing at your level? Oh, tons. We're lifting four days a week in season. And, and so that's something that I think is probably closer to the common than it is the rare. Um, I think the off season strength and conditioning that students are doing is, is one of the things where you're seeing body types and, and speed and ability at the lower ranked levels, the Division two, II, Division three level, that are almost on par with some of their Division one cohorts. Or at least when the time somebody becomes a senior, they're on par with maybe a freshman or sophomore at the Division I. Um, and they have a thirst for it. They know that if they do more weightlifting and mobility training and things like that, that they're going to be healthier throughout their career, prevent injuries, and that was stuff we never even talked about when, when I was playing. It was get as big as strong as you can so you can be a more physically dominant person, not keep yourself healthy, keep yourself more mobile, be more agile or whatever it might be.
0: There was a time, again, going back where I remember skill players were essentially steered away from weightlifting, Mm -hmm. you know, quarterbacks, wide receivers, you know, basketball players, you know, steering away from bulk because bulk would interfere. Uh, But as you said, now it's not just bulk.
1: It's almost targeted. Correct. It's really, I would say we probably have seven different lifting programs going on in our football program right now. So it's not the old everybody gets one sheet of paper and we all do the same thing. It's more of a this is what the quarterbacks are doing, this is what the wide receivers are doing. So it's more for their position specific to, to make that happen. Um, but I also think that the lack of multi-sport athletes at the high school level is what's contributing that. They're looking for that year-round fix for their sport. But instead of playing multiple sports like many of us did in the 80s, 90s and beyond, they're really focused on one sport from such a young age, that the off-season training takes the place of those other sports they used to play.
0: Do you think that's a good thing? No, I, mean, I think I, that's a thing. You and I both. We, we did four <laughs> four sports in high school, yep. um, did a couple sports in college, um, it, it, and it seems like now you know both of my children were college athletes. My daughter and son, and they were both lacrosse players, and they were multiple high school athletes, but they got pressure. About, about focusing. I remember a college coach saying to my son when he was a sophomore, you know what? If you want to play Division One lacrosse, you should probably give up your basketball and, mm-hmm. and, and have a stick in your hand all year long. And that seems that that's a, a dramatic
1: trend we're seeing. What do you think about that as a coach? I am disheartened by it and I wish people weren't doing it. I, I understand the perfection of a craft with more repetitions and things like that, but I also feel that the cross-training you receive by doing different sports can make you a better overall athlete and I think there is still a component where the best athlete the most uh, you know overall athletic human can do more things on a field than somebody who's only done one sport they have more things to draw from it's much like the liberal arts perspective in education you get the more well-rounded view as opposed to just being focused on one subject matter so you can learn different ways to attack problems when you get into your field and I I think that if they can do that as athletes as well um, that's huge and when you look at the major Division One schools in the, in the BCS, you're looking at schools that are taking those two-sport athletes. They're at least doing track and football, right. or they're doing you know, football and basketball. And unfortunately, other sports outside of football really feel that their kids have to play their sport year-round. Right. Football's unique. We can't really play football year-round. All other sports can be done year-round. And I think that's the, the one missing piece that I wish that, that other coaches could understand is that playing multiple sports is of great benefit.
0: What sort of of changes are you seeing in terms of – you talked about training, weight training, but how about in in terms of of trainers and people keeping an eye on on injuries and dealing with injuries?
1: We're much more aggressive, particularly with anything that's a head injury. The old, I I just got dinged, coach, I'm fine, doesn't fly anymore – um, I think, and that for we, a lot
0: of us, that was almost a badge. Right, of that honor. was what you did. Yeah, and back in, I remember getting back in the huddle and, and calling plays. I was in high school after being nearly knocked out, and and calling, starting to call the next play as a quarterback. And my friend next to me says, "Man, you all right?" And I said, "Why are you asking?" He said, "Because you're calling our Pop Warner plays." You know, <laughs> I'm saying,
1: "Huh?" You know, it might be it, time to take a break. Yeah,
0: yeah, but we didn't. You know, you didn't come off the field mm-hmm. back then. It was it, because it was sort of a badge of honor. You know, I, I got dinged up. I'm seeing stars. But I'm still on the field, right?
1: And I think that part has kind of been taken away from the game, and probably in a good way, mm-hmm. where it's it's healthier for the players long term. Um, I also think the area where we've become significantly more knowledgeable is soft tissue injuries mm-hmm. and how to recover student athletes from those. Where it used to just be ice and rest, and that was all it was, and eventually it'll feel better. Uh, you know, now whether it's foam rolling or whether it's rubber band usage or you know um, some deep tissue manipulation, there's just different things going on at all levels. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily because of the internet, but I don't think that's hurt, where mm-hmm. the knowledge is out there and it's shared more freely, where it's something that you know a trainer in California might have stumbled upon, but they never had a chance to show it to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Now they can put a YouTube video on there, and if it helps somebody get better, they, yeah. they can get better. Yeah. And I, I think that some of that information being spread a little bit more freely uh, has helped make it better for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's one of the things. I was nutrition-wise. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Right? Athletes' nutrition now compared to what it was 10 years ago even is, is ridiculous. Their, their ability to understand macronutrients and the different things they need to recover and be successful and get stronger and perform at a high level, they're just more in tune with their bodies than I ever was as, a, you know, as an athlete. And I think that that's something that as coaches we've taken opportunities to address and educate as they come into our program and hopefully it gives us an advantage or two.
0: Are, are you seeing also and, and you talk about nutrition, I think that, that, that's an enormous. And, and clearly, going back to what we said before, now we're so uh, we so much more conscious of the notion of head injuries and soft tissue injuries and how they're not a badge of honor, and we need to deal with them as, as, as dramatically and as immediately as we possibly can. Are we seeing that extend to things such as sleep, for the sleep and rest and, and other time outside of the realm of your sport?
1: Yeah, I think we're spending a lot of time talking about that uh, away from the sport, Um, whether it's for their physical abilities and recoveries or if it's more for um, their mental stamina and their recovery that way where they can feel refreshed and not feel stressed about the challenges of their academics as well as their athletics um, and trying to help them create that balance. And sometimes sleep is the first thing they take out of their body. You know, instead of sleeping at night, I'm going to spend another two hours studying or I'm going to watch... More film, or if I just stay awake and do more, that's going to be my advantage. And sometimes teaching those values of less is more is is something that I think that a lot of our highly motivated students are, are really struggling with. And that's not just athletics, that's in general. And so if we can combine those athletes to have more, um, the you know, some of the words they like to use are grit and resiliency and things like that, some of that is developable, but some of it is just natural. And, and so if we can help point them in some keys and some things that will help them in that, that's you know, really where we want to try to go.
0: What are the things when you compare um, let's say division one football, division three football? And one of the things that's most obvious, you look on a sideline, you look at all of the assistants and all of the various staff members that are there from from your perspective in division 3 football and i've have said to people the quality of football is really good mm-hmm. you know and i said it about all, all the athletes i think there's so many good and you you touched on it you know young people are coming out of high school so much better developed and, and so much better training than even we had so i think the quality of of the athletic performance in division 1 is extraordinarily good but there are limitations because it's division 3 so you as a coach You look at Alabama on a Saturday (laughs) afternoon, and then you look at your staff on a Saturday afternoon. Do you get a sense that I'm missing something? Or do you get a sense that, look, this is what we are?
1: Yeah, I think it's more of this is what we are. And I think that we have an advantage that Alabama doesn't have. In what sense? My relationship with our student-athletes is much more intimate than some of their coaches is because I have my hands on what they're doing with all 90 guys on my roster. There's daily interactions that I'm having because not only am I the head coach, I'm also calling plays on defense, but I'm also the linebacker coach. And then when we go to special teams, I've got an assignment there under our special teams coordinator that I have to coach. And so I get to be more involved and have that, that relationship. When it comes to do academic counseling, it's our four full-time coaches doing it, not an academic support person. When we're in the weight room, it's our football coaches in the weight room with our guys. So there's development going on where we're really the, the hands-on of all those roles, we're we're the jack of all trades. We're wearing every hat in the program as opposed to just being one role. And I think that, you know, it puts pressure on us as coaches to make the decision of what's really important to our program that we're going to focus on. But knowing we have four coaches as opposed to an army of maybe a hundred, you know, support staff and coaches and such, um, it's, it's much different, but we're still doing the same thing. We're just doing it ourselves.
0: Last question for you is, is, you know, having, experience these, these, I don't want to make you sound really old, different eras <laughs> of football, but different experience, let's call it that, mm-hmm. a, as a player and as a young coach and now as, a, as a, a head coach. If you were talking to a young person, let's say one of your players who's graduating and says, Coach, you know what, I'm thinking of getting into coaching, and, and, and I'm kind of looking at, at D3 football, and do you think it's, it's something that I should indeed get
1: into and why? What would you say to them? Absolutely. It's one of the three goals of our program is to have make better coaches, whether it's coaches that are on our staff or our players wanting to go. If they don't if we don't have players that want to become coaches, they don't respect what we're doing and we're not making an impact on them. Hopefully the reason they want to become coaches is because one of our coaches on staff has impacted them significantly. And they want to do that for somebody else. And so to me, as long as they're not doing it for the purpose of, getting the big salary that they read on ESPN tickers and stuff like that, you know, 75 million guaranteed or whatever it is, and they understand their their reasoning for getting into football is they love the game, they want to give back, and they still believe that they can make an impact on the players coming through the program, then they should absolutely do it. It's one of the greatest professions in the world. If they're looking at it for some other reason other than that, that's where I'm going to kind of challenge them a little bit to say, are you really sure this is what you want to do? And and make them kind of get to the root of their motivation – so that they can see it but if it's they want to get back to the game and make an impact on players lives for the next 30 years of their career I, I think that's pretty cool well i can say to you and this is probably the highest compliment i can give to a coach is having some spend spending some
0: time with you i'd, I'd be real happy to have my son play football for you Dean, if i had some eligibility left i'd i'll come and, and, and play a little bit we'll take it. you all right jim it's a it's a real pleasure thanks so much for joining us again our thanks to jim catanzaro as the head football coach from Lake Forest College. Uh, That does it for us for this edition of College Sports Insider presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. Thanks for joining us and we will look forward to talking with you again real soon.